financial literacy, and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Welcome back to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, and we are joined by a special guest this week, Trevor Young. Thanks, and welcome back, Trevor. Thank you. In our crazy three-way show, this is Francis speaking. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do want to say, just in, in full disclosure, yes, I have solar on both my homes. No, I've not received any sort of uh, compensation to have Trevor on the show or anything like that. When I bring a guest on, it's because I think they have something valuable to add, and uh, and working with Trevor has been a great experience for me and for people I've recommended him to. But I want to head off this half by saying, you know, what I just said to people might sound crazy. First of all, I could save more money if I bought the system for my home, and I chose not to do that. Now, that doesn't mean everybody should choose not to do that, but in my case, I felt that I would rather put the panels up for free to me, and then I think I had to pay to dig a ditch because I wanted my panels far off in the distance on, a, on another building. But I put the panels up for free, and I saved money immediately on my electric bill. Now, somebody out there has to be thinking, wait a minute. Too good to be true. Mm -hmm. So, Trevor, will you tell us why that works for your company and how your company makes money? What makes it not too good to be true? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, as a big solar company, we we really have two options in front of us. We could either go out and buy a bunch of land or lease a bunch of land and put panels in a field and do a solar farm. Or we could do um, buy nicer panels, more expensive panels, and smaller systems and, and work with homeowners. And we chose the latter because our numbers look better. And the primary driver behind that is solar has one fatal flaw, and that is that it only works when it's sunny. So the transfer of energy from the grid and back to, to you matters a lot. It's called net metering. And if we go put those panels in a field somewhere, we maybe get like a 30th of the value of those kilowatt hours that we're sending to them. However, as a homeowner, so long as we don't go too big on the size, you get a perfect trade. So every kilowatt hour that you produce that you don't use in a month, you get a kilowatt hour's worth of money back as in the form of a credit on your power bill, which you can then use in the winter months when your panels aren't performing so well. Mm. And so we found that we can be profitable. I mean, we can put these things up for a lot cheaper than a homeowner can when we're buying them in the hundreds of millions. And so we can install them and make money off of selling the homeowner cheaper energy for their house. Most people don't know this, but I mean, Eversource and the other electric companies, they're primarily gas companies too. They, they get most of their power from natural gas power plants. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you see a lot of those companies also do gas services as well in some areas it's kind of the same business. You know, it's interesting that there is some crossover like that. Just to point to the support out there for solar, even by coal-reliant states, more than half, between 52 and 57%, depending on the surveys you listen to or read, the most coal-reliant states in America say they would actually be willing to buy solar panels if they could recover their investment in five years. That, if you... If you're in politics and you're in a coal state and you hear that, it should get your attention. So let me ask you about, you know, I I read these things that say, oh, we can put solar anywhere. And then you contact a company and they say, but you have an old roof or you have a metal roof or something like that. You can't, we can't put the solar panels up there. Tell us what you tell somebody when that happens. When you go to do a survey and you see that their roof is old, then what? (laughs) So this is actually, you know, being 
uh, person in New England, we run into this a lot. Mm. We've got a lot of older houses. We've also got a lot of sh- sh- uh, shading issues and tree issues. And I-, I think that's why a lot of people opted for power purchase agreement because they didn't have perfect conditions to buy the panels. Mm-hmm. And so it hurt their their numbers because you have to put up more panels to do the same work. But we actually, that, that's kind of the elephant in the room with, with solar, residential solar in general, is we've got 700,000 customers currently, and every single one of those is going to need a re-roof at some point. And so our solution was fairly simple. We just, we got into roofing. And so we're able to cut costs by eliminating that double marginalization between companies. And um, when the homeowner needs a re-roof before getting panels, we can code out and get the re-roof done. After they get the panels, we can come out and take down the panels, re-roof it, and then put the panels back up. So all that infrastructure is just starting to be built and it's going to be kind of the way that it goes for us. Would that be an expense out of pocket, though, unlike how Francis is doing it, where she doesn't have to pay anything up front? If you have to get a re-roof, you, you would have to pay for that, right, even though it might be a little cheaper? Correct. Yeah, we can get you a better deal on the re-roof, but you're still going to pay for the, the re-roof. We found with our numbers, um, we're usually still about 1000 2000 cheaper than most of the competing offers. I mean, we don't make money in re-roofs, so it's really just best offer wins. And, it, you know, if we find a, a roofer that's uh, able to do it for less, then that's the one that we go with, right? However, if it, now tell me if I'm right here. If you do the roof as part of your solar plan, don't you get a credit for it? Yeah, that's correct. If you if you buy the panels, most people don't know this, you can get the federal tax credit, which is a 26% tax credit for the solar and the roof. So it's like you get a, a fourth off of your, your roofing costs as well, mm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Before when you were saying whichever price is lower is the one to go with, you have to remember, I think, about the solar credit. It's a, an enormous difference. I guess I'm just being polite. We're, we're almost always the lowest with that tax credit. <laughs> Well, you know, it stands to reason when you said double marginalization, you know, for anybody out there hearing that term, all it means is, look, your roofing people are going to mark up your roof, and then your solar people are going to mark up your solar. If you can deal with one company, you might eliminate some of that. certainly helps. Can you tell us a little bit about someone who might be considering a ground mount system versus a roof system and buy versus the purchase, uh, the uh, third-party purchase thing that, that I did? Yeah, yeah. So uh, a drown mount, I mean, the only talking points of those is just currently steel is really expensive right now. So you might pay more than you normally would to do a ground mount service. Also, different towns have different requirements and um, things get more murky when you take panels off of a roof. I know some towns require uh, a fence around their panels and other things like that. So it's just something to watch out for is there's there's a added cost, sometimes considerable added cost to doing a ground mounted system mm-hmm. that you need to factor in before, you know, pulling the trigger and making an investment. You just reminded me, though, uh, in terms of decommissioning these panels, I had read that between 90 and 97 percent of solar panels, when they're decommissioned, the materials can be recycled or sold. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah, and we actually, Sunrun just partnered with this company called Solar Cycle that does just that. They recycle old solar panels. My belief is, you know, if it's producing power, it's not going to be recycled is not going to end up in a landfill. It's just going to keep producing energy until it's dead, which we don't know exactly how long that is. Like it could be 50, 60 years before the panels die out. But yeah, most of it is is recyclable when that time comes. 
I have okay. kind of a shallow question. This might be a, a money doctor question for Francis, since you you actually have them. Aesthetically, is that a concern for people that it's going to not look attractive on the roof? Is that something you thought about? So it is something I thought about because I had just put a new architectural roof on my primary home, and I didn't want solar panels on the front of it. Now, many people don't mind them at all, and they're very sleek, and, and that's fine. But I had a garage with a southward-facing roof. So in my case, I chose to put them on the garage. I could have put them on the back of my house as well, but I chose not to do that. They weren't as efficient. I put what I could on the garage, and I made an agreement to dig the trench so that the electrical could be buried according to code and connected to the house. So I paid to dig the trench, and they put the panels on the garage where I don't see them at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the other house, it was a no-brainer. There was a southward-facing roof. We could cover pretty much all my electricity and overbuild the system by a little bit. And to accommodate the growth that I thought it was going to have, I don't mind the look of them at all. I never look at that roof. It's fine. And they are sleeker than the ones that came on this roof. So it's almost, especially if you cover your whole roof with them, it, you know, you're not even really going to notice them. So I, I think it is a, a concern for people, but it wasn't a major one for me. So I know we're going to run out of time here, but... Can, Trevor, can you give us the down and dirty on whether to buy them or whether to do the third-party program and briefly what those look like? Yeah, and you, you bring up an interesting point. You actually, at any point in time with the third-party panels, if you elected to, you can purchase the panels or, or what we call prepay for the power, mm-hmm. which is the, the equivalent of purchasing. Yep. And they give it to you at a discount. So it's not too late, Francis. If you want to buy them, you can. <laughs> well, actually, that was a good option. You know, I could try it out for free, see if I liked it. If it worked out great for me and I wanted to buy them, I could change my mind and buy them. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. And they, sure. they just depreciate the value of them over time. In fact, a, a lot of people ask, like, because most people don't think about this, but what happens when the panels are dead and there's an added expense to remove the panels? With a, a third-party-owned system, we have an option where we'll remove them for free. The other options are you can continue with the panels, you can get a new system, uh, or you can buy the panels at that point too, which they'll be very affordable because you know it's a 25-year-old system. So yeah, I know a lot of terms get thrown around like uh, lease or rent your roof or, or things like that. So just to kind of clear that up a bit, they they all fall under the category of a third-party-owned system or TPO. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're wanting to sound really savvy in the industry, that's what you'd call it. The, the only difference between a lease and a power purchase agreement is that a lease turns to basically use the solar equipment, and it's a set monthly payment based on the use of the equipment. Whereas a power purchase agreement is simply you are agreeing to purchase the power that is being produced by the panels. And so these days it's, it's more of a nuance than anything. And some states want us only doing leases and some states only want us doing power purchase agreements, but they're, they're both quite similar. Thank you. Last but not least, if somebody's interested in doing solar and after they've done some independent research, they made a decision, I, I think I might want to contact a solar company, and they contact, let's say they contact Sunrun, what does the process look like for them? What can they expect going forward? Yeah, so they call me up, <laughs> and um, we would do a design review where we go over what they're doing in the house right now and uh, what they expect like using in the future, like if they have any plans for a pool, you know, hot tub, electric car, more kids, and things like that. And then we would build out a design based on that conversation uh, where we would, you know, 
plan for the future and oversize it or, or maybe downsize it if they, they think they have a lot of people leaving the home. Mm-hmm. From there, we would conduct a free site survey to assess the solar access on the roof and mm-hmm. to make sure that it's solar ready. So that, that involves checking the shingles, checking the roof structure, so the, the rafters underneath in the attic, and also the electrical of the home to make sure it's you know up to spec and can handle the, the solar output. Mm-hmm. After that, we send it to our electricians and engineers. They build out a final design and generate a customer approval packet, which we show to the homeowner and uh, make sure that they're okay if there was any adjustments that were made from our initial design. And then once we have that go-ahead from the homeowner, we submit it to the utility and to the city for their approval. The city is fairly straightforward so long as everything is to code and you you don't owe anything on your water bill or anything like that, they'll approve it. Utility is a little more involved. They have to make sure that the transformer uh, is on your street, isn't overloaded already, Mm -hmm. uh, which would trigger them needing a transformer upgrade in order for you to get solar. I've seen some of these come through that are are affordable, and Sunrun will even pay for it sometimes. But I I had a customer up in Greenfield, actually, that tried to get solar on their house, and the utility wanted $42,000 for a transformer upgrade. So if we're the one requesting it, the utility is going to make us pay for it or or you pay for it. And um, at that point, if it's not going to work out for either of us, then we just kind of cut bait and call it a day. None of this costs anybody to get to this point, correct? Correct. It's all free to to the homeowner. So we invest in you and get all that stuff ready and prepped. The point of no return is when you've obviously got panels on the roof. <laughs> right, right, right. From beginning to end, what could somebody expect from the time they say, yes, put the solar on the roof, to the time that it's turned on and they're making power? Typical turnaround, it, it does depend on all those other factors, like if there's extra work needing to be done. If we don't have any problems, it's usually about four to eight weeks to get to an install. Okay. I'm really sorry to say that we're out of time because I think we could talk for hours about solar. Uh, There's so much stuff. But I really want to thank you, Trevor, for coming on and for being such a great guest and for really shining a light on some of the murky waters of a solar system. This is my favorite subject. So anytime you want me back, I'm happy to talk about it. Oh, thank you. And I certainly would encourage everybody to, you know, certainly look up Sunrun, but do your own independent research. Look up other companies. See what's out there. I would just say, if you're going to go with a very small company, the question you want to ask is, what happens if that company goes bankrupt? Where are you? So you really need to think about the future and the financial history and solidity of the company that you are going with when it comes to solar. All right. And if anybody has any questions, of course, they can always give you a call at what number? 413-773-3333. Or visit HugYourMoney.com. Thank you both so much. We'll have another episode of Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, coming up next Saturday right here on WHMP.